We are back in this series called The Power of Holy Habits, and I want us to move into the next uh, topic, which is the power of intercession, or more formally known as prayer. The power of prayer, right? And so that's what we're looking at today. And if I was to summarize my sermon into one sentence, it would be this. God invites us into a ministry of intercession to share his heart and his reward. God invites us into a ministry of intercession to share two, two things, his heart and his reward. Because when you come into this ministry of prayer for others, when you begin to think about praying for others, when you step into this work along with him, God's first and foremost going to break your heart with the things that break his heart. Somebody say amen. Okay, I just want to know you're with me. Okay, first he has to break your heart with the things that break his heart. Then once you come on board with him to, to pray about the things, when he works, when he provides, when he heals, when he restores, he also shares the reward, the joy and the, and, and, and the excitement of seeing people come to Christ, seeing people restored, seeing marriages. So you share his heart and you share his Reward. These are the two things God wants to share with us. But before we move forward, I want to give you two prerequisites. Okay? Two prerequisites. Before you think about prayer, before you can be sure that your prayers are being answered. The first prerequisite is that you want to get rid of any known sin. Okay? Look at what the scripture says. If I had known of any sin in my heart, the Lord would not have listened to me. Okay? He didn't say if I had any sin in my heart. He didn't say if I had any sin, because there's always something. And if you're looking for a moment of sinlessness when you can shoot a prayer up and that's going to get answered, never. That's just never going to happen, okay? Because we are always falling. That's not the point. The point is the matter of transparency, hiding. Another version that I grew up with when I learned this verse by heart was, if I hide sin in my heart. Okay, so he so circle the word known and see that David is talking about the fact that if I know something is wrong in my life, if I've been convicted that something is wrong in my life, the Spirit of God has told me and I still am holding on to that. No, I want. Like a rebellious teenager or a two-year-old, I want. And, but can I still have, may I still have, and you still pray, right? Forget it. Forget it. God is saying he will not listen. He will not listen. And there's a theme that I want you to pick up here. The whole listening and hearing. Listening and hearing. We'll pick that up. Okay. The second prerequisite is there must be trust. There must be trust. There must be faith. But faith in what? Look at what he says here. Therefore I tell you, verse, um, Mark eleven twenty four. whatever you ask in prayer, believe that you have received it and it will be yours. You've got to trust that God is willing. Listen, listen, listen. You've got to trust that God is willing to be good to you. That God is willing to be good to you. We believe God is good. Hallelujah, praise the Lord, all that. Right? We believe God is good to a lot of people. But is He good to me? And immediately you think of the wrong things you've done. You think of how bad you are. You think of the distance or how you haven't prayed or what you haven't done. It's always performance oriented. And you rate yourself and based on the rating you give yourself, you decide whether God's going to listen to you or not. And then you don't believe that he will hear you, he will answer you. But the fact is that God has positioned himself, propositioned himself, presented himself not as a, as a Santa Claus, not as a judge, not as a king, not as a, uh, as, a, as a dictator, but as a father. As a father. 
And God wants you to know that He cares for you and will be good to you because you are His. Not performance, but ownership. You are His. You are His. All those who are called by my name, called by my name. Right? So I want us to begin by feeling encouraged about the fact that God is a, say it, Father. God is a Father. He wants to be my Father. He wants to act like my Father. He wants to operate as my Father. And, and I respond to that accordingly. So I'm going to look at our prayer for myself and then look at our prayer, my prayer for others. So we do that? Simple. God the Father, first and foremost, don't, doesn't like that, that, that look on your face that looks like you are carrying the whole world. You know, when your child comes to you and they just look so worn down, like they're carrying the burdens of the whole world, and you're like, what is it? Tell me, what is it? I'll just give it to you. God the Father, first and foremost, wants you to be unburdened. Unburdened. He doesn't want you to carry any burdens. By the way, that's a good thing. That's a good thing. And second thing is, we don't even know what burdens we're carrying because they're on our back. <laughs> so God doesn't want us. He wants us to be unburdened. Philippians chapter 4 verse 6 uses a very interesting word. It uses the word anxiety or anxious. He says, do not be what? Anxious. He says, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Three words there, prayer, supplication with thanksgiving. Let your requests be known to God. Just let him know about it. Just let him know about it. Okay, we'll get back to that. But he uses the word anxiety. Anxiety is an interesting word. Anxiety comes from uncertainty. Anxiety comes from uncertainty. Not what has happened, what might not happen. Anxiety comes from what might not happen. You think good, you want good, you look forward to things that are happening in your life, you want this, this admission to come through, that job to come through, you want that girl to love you back again. <laughs> yeah? And you want God to move things in your favor and you are anxious because you can't control those circumstances. You can't make it happen. I'm a genie in a bottle. You've got to rub me the right way, apparently. No. God doesn't want you to be anxious about anything. But the antidote to that, please note, the antidote to that is do not be anxious, but in everything by prayer okay now what is the word we circled uncertainty we talked about uncertainty anxiety comes from uncertainty peace comes from certainty peace comes from certainty so he says don't be anxious about anything but in everything by prayer and supplication what happens when you pray and when you make your supplications to God what happens let your requests be circle known to God. That's the certainty. When he is known, when he knows about it, when it is now known to God, that's when you, you're not listening to me. When it is known to God, that's when you are at peace. The answer to your anxiety is that God knows what 
you're uncertain about. You're like, but God knows everything. G-O-K. God only knows. God only knows. That's true. But that word known has a little deeper assurance. How do you know? How do I know that you know? Remember, you're talking to a very simple guy here. It's standard failure. How do I know that you know? Answer, because I told you. I told you I was simple. How do you know, how do I know that you know? I told you. You know how people get really upset about it? How can you say that? No, I told you. I told you. How do you? I was explained the whole thing to you. How many times I'm supposed to tell you? Who told you to tell? Are you with me? Are you with me? I get, okay, here's where we're going to nail it. I, I get anxiety removed and peace replaced when I know that you know. And I know that you know when I have told you. We call that prayer. We call that prayer. What should you pray about? Everything. What should you pray about? Everything. He wants to unburden you with anxiety. He hates the fact that his child children go around anxious. The birds aren't anxious. The camels are just not bothered. Okay? They're just wondering what they just they last ate. And nobody else is tense in all of creation except God's people. And God just doesn't, you know, he's like, no. That tension on your face doesn't look good on you. I tense, I should be tense, you should be joyful. For the joy of the Lord is my strength. The Father wants you to be unburdened. The Father wants to personally hear you out. You, so you know that he knows because you told him. But who has the time to hear all your problems? God does. God does. And you want to tell, tell him everything. Because he says over here in 1 John chapter 5, 14. And this is the confidence, circle confidence. This is the confidence that we have toward him. That if we ask anything according to his will, he what? Hears us. So you've got the uncertainty. And then you've got the assurance. You've got the speaking. And then we've got the hearing. Okay? We have confidence because according to his will, he hears us. If we know, circle the word know, if we know that he hears us in whatever we ask, we know that we have the request that we have of him. So all we need to be sure about is that God actually heard. God actually heard. This is totally different type of praying. Let me explain this. This is completely different type of praying to the normal concept of praying in religious circles or in philosophical circles. Concept in our world of praying is you put in an application along with thousands of other applications and you hope that it gets seen. You write a letter and put it in the box out of thousands of letters and you hope that it gets seen. You know, you put a feedback in and you're part of millions. You go to a church, you light a candle and you hope that your prayer was tabled before God. There is this concept of let's just pray it up let's see what happens and you just pray it up no 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 this is not you giving an application to a god in heaven with thousands of applications all coming to him at the same time or prayers or supplications or whatever you want to talk about let's nail this god wants one-on-one -on -one time with you he wants to sit there 
and say, I've got all the time in the world. Tell me everything. Tell me everything. And you're like, no, there's, there's nothing here. No, seriously, how are you? No, I'm fine. I'm absolutely fine. No, no, tell me. So what, what about work? Or, yeah, work is kind of like, you know, uh, and how's your marriage? Oh, yeah. And, then, and your children, and, then, and slowly it begins to come out, right? By the end of it, you're a bumbling mush of tears on the ground. But I don't nothing, nothing is going right in my life, nothing. So you start out with, I'm fine, thank you very much. And you end up, because God knows that you need that time to unpack. And for that, that person needs to have the patience to hear you out. You know when you find those people who are willing to listen to you? You know, and then you give them more than they need to hear. And then it just, it just flows. It just flows. Hey, then you're a good listener. You're a really good listener. I'm like, yeah, that's the, tr- that's the problem. And, they, and you, some people just bring it out of you. God wants to bring it out of you. God wants you to unburden yourself. God loves you and cares for you that he wants you to have a prayer life. Because this is not one of those, what are you, useless Christians, you're supposed to... That's useless. You're supposed to have a prayer life. Why aren't you praying? You're sinners. Why aren't you? No, 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 no. That's not how God puts it. God's, I'm willing to listen to anything for however long. I've got the time. Have you got the time? Come, come, close the door, close the door. The Bible says, close the door behind you. Come sit with me. And with the father, you either sit next to him or you sit on his lap. Are you getting the picture here? You getting the picture here? You hear his heartbeat. You lie on him. You get from him assurance and you get from him care. And the father wants that from you. So many of you are not enjoying your relationship with God. Because you're religious. Because you're good people. Because you're focusing on good works. And you're so interested in impressing the father that you're losing out on enjoying the father. Even more so, he's losing out on enjoying you. The Father cares for you and wants you to talk to Him about it. He wants alone time with Him on a regular basis. He wants you to enjoy access to Him daily. The Lord Jesus went to the cross and the veil of the temple was torn from top to bottom so that every day people could come straight into the holiest of holies. Are you with me? Here's what the final is. When you come to Him, He provides you with three things. He provides you with strength, He provides you with grace and he provides you with mercy. Look at 1 Chronicles. It says, seek the Lord and his strength. Seek his presence, what? Continually. Seek the Lord and his strength. Look at Hebrews chapter 4. It's a little longish passage, but bear with me, okay? Seeing then that we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus the Son of God, let us hold fast to our confession. Watch this. For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our, what? Weaknesses. But was in all points tempted, as we are, yet without sin. Oh, he's saying that he is without sin, but I am with sin. Nah, uh, 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 uh. So he says, let us therefore come boldly. He says, you have weaknesses, he does not. You have weaknesses, he does not. Which means, when you are weak, he will carry you. He will carry you. That's what fathers do to children. 
It's a stubborn kid that still wants to walk. A stubborn kid that wants to run across the road. A stubborn kid that wants to be on its own. But when the kid gets tired, when the kid gets whiny, the kid gets, uh, gets exhausted, the father picks up the child. And he's saying that Jesus was flawless and he was without weakness. And you are weak. And when you come to him, he gives you two things. Because you are weak, he, that's sin, he gives you mercy. And because you are weak, he gives you grace to go forward. He carries you through. So mercy for the past, grace for the future. Mercy for the past weaknesses, grace for the future weaknesses. He carries us through. Some of you don't believe what I'm saying. You don't believe that God is for you. You don't believe that God really wants to answer your prayer. Because something you got hung up on, Something you really, really wanted wasn't in God's will. You asked him for it. He didn't give it to you. Now apparently he doesn't answer any prayers. Good theology. Something happened in your life. You got angry because God who is all-powerful should have stopped that. God who is all-powerful should have, should have given it to me. Or whatever your big answer is. And in the sovereignty of your little brain, you have decided that God does not answer your prayer. But here he is saying, come, come spend time with me. I really love you. I want to hear your problems. I want to hear your joys. What are your dreams? What do you really want? You give me what I want, I'll give you what you want. I'm your father. I want time with you. And he wants you to give it a little persistence. Jesus told a story of a widow who went to an unrighteous judge. And the judge says, my goodness, she was bothering me so much. Luke chapter 18, verse 1 to 8, long passage of scripture. But he was bothering me so much that I gave in. And Jesus is saying, if an unrighteous judge can give in because of the persistence of a widow, how much more a righteous father? Are you getting that? You stick with it. You stick with it. You give up on God too easily. My brother, my sister, you give up on God too easily. How many times did you pray for it? Twice? Twice, thrice, you give up on God too easily. Now here's the fun part. Not only does God care for you and want you to unburden yourself, want you to be without anxiety, not only does he want to answer your prayer, he also cares for others. And he wants you to pray to him for others. He wants you to carry them. He wants you to speak for them. Why? Let's see. Mark chapter, uh, uh, Mark, uh, let, let's start by, by looking at the overall. Ephesians chapter 6 verse 18. Pray in the spirit at all times with all kinds of prayers, asking for everything you need. To do this, you must always be ready and never give up. Circle never give up, okay? Always be pray, always pray for all God's people. Always pray for all God's people. The first and foremost thing you want to pray for is forgiveness. You want to forgive, you want to set people free. So he says in, in Mark chapter 11, verse 25, whenever you stand praying, forgive. Forgive. If you have anything against them, forgive him. If you're struggling with anybody, forgive them. James chapter 15, 5 verse 16 says, therefore confess your sins one to another and pray for one another that you may be healed. Confess your sin to one another. Pray for one another so that you may be healed. A prayer of a righteous man. So God wants this culture, look at me, God wants this culture in his people, among his people, of forgiveness. Forgiveness. Easily forgiven, easily forgive. Easily forgiven, easily forgive. How beautiful, light and amazing it would be to live in a family where everybody easily forgives. 
Don't all of our families have at least one person who just won't forgive? And that family screws up the peace of the whole family. Everything then becomes polarized around that one person. Some families have two. Mostly there's one. Unforgiveness is a killer. It's a peace killer. It's a relationship killer. It's a family killer. It's a, it's a joy killer. It's a joy killer. And God says, if you want to pray, if you want, to, if, you want, if you want healthy relationships, if you want people to live with joy with you, and learn how to forgive. Let it go. Let it go. Not because it's not important, but because that's the secret. He says, he wants you to forgive people so that you can pray for them and be healed. No, 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 no. Carefully. He wants you to forgive people so that you can pray for them so that you can be Smart people get it. Smart people put it together. A plus B equals C. Got it? One day we're going to get to heaven and find out that a lot of sicknesses out of the total number of sicknesses was actually because of an unforgiving spirit. This was tried and tested by one chaplain in a hospital who went about deciding to help people forgive so he went bed to bed to bed and he asked people, he says, is there anything that you're holding against anybody? Anything that you're holding against anybody? And he started helping them and praying with them and getting them to forgive the people. And they started getting well and leaving the hospital. Getting well and leaving the hospital. And a lot of the patients' illnesses were because they just were holding on. It is a bitter cancer that rips through you and will destroy you. God wants a culture of forgiveness. So he wants us to pray for others, forgive them so that we can pray for them and be healed. The second thing God wants to do is to jo help you join or you wants you to come alongside him in advocacy. In advocacy. I got two more things. This one and the next one and I'm done. I'll let you go. Advocacy. Because Jesus went to the cross and before he went to the cross, he said, this is the cup of the new covenant in my blood. He says, so you're, you're married to an old covenant and I'm going to write you a new covenant but in order for you to go to a new covenant a new marriage the old marriage has to die one person has to die so I being God will die and you'll be free and then you'll be able to marry the next but the next one if you're dead how are you going to marry so he came back to life and he became the advocate of the new covenant to ensure that no matter what you do to fail no matter how much you sin no matter how bad you are he will ensure that you will get to heaven. He will ensure that your salvation is intact. So right now, his post-cross, post-resurrection ministry is to stand in the throne among the, in, in heaven and say, it's paid for. I covered it. Every time Satan comes and points a finger, every time Satan reminds you, every time your flesh or your conscience reminds you, every time you feel condemned and destroyed, every time you feel dirty and filthy, Jesus stands there and prays, Lord, please lift him up. Lift him up, pick him up, remind him that it's paid. Remind him that he's okay. Remind him that he's loved. He says, I'll send the spirit to you and the spirit will stay with you and remind you that you're forgiven and that you're mine. Nothing can separate you from this love. Nothing can come between you and God. Now it's a relational contract, not a works contract. And God wants that kind of Confidence in your heart. He says, that's why we have this confidence. 
So you join with Christ in praying for others. I pray for Eric. I pray for, uh, for uh, Sam. I pray for Jason. I pray for other people. What, what am I doing? I'm being an advocate to the Father. I'm standing in the gap. I'm being between Him and God. Are you seeing this? Why does God want us to do this? He wants us to feel His heart. He wants us to feel how much He has loved them as well. So to, to be ushered into a relationship with God and to be okay with God and to know that He hears your prayers, Talia. But that's not all. God wants you to take one step further and come on board with Christ to become a prayer warrior for others. I know I'm going to be talking about a habit and we'll get to that in just a bit. But God wants you to forgive others so that you can pray for them. God wants you to join with Christ to pray protection over them. He said to Simon, before he became Peter, he said, Simon, Simon, Satan has demanded to have you that he may sift you like wheat, but I have prayed for you. I have prayed for you. What? What have I prayed for? That your faith may not fail. God wants us to pray that other people's faith doesn't fail. You pray for your children? Great. Praise God. You pray for your loved ones? Great. But have you prayed for others? Is there anybody else in this church or outside this church that you're praying for? Is there anyone whose names are written in their book because they didn't ask you, but you felt led to pray for them? Is your prayer life God anybody else who owes you nothing but is on the heart of God? To pray in the Spirit, to pray according to the Spirit, is to hear, Lord, who do you want me to pray for? Did you get that? Not what do you want me to pray for? Who do you want me to pray for? And God will bring a face to you. God will bring a person to you. God will bring a memory to you. You'll start praying for somebody out of somewhere. You'll never know. You've even met them. And eventually you'll meet them and you're like, I've been praying for you. I've been praying for you. God will give you a ministry that is same as the Lord Jesus. And when you enter, boom, oh, this is amazing. When you enter into that ministry, along with Christ, you enter into spiritual realms. Spiritual realms of power. Spiritual realms of, 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 of experience of the powerful presence and joy and strength of God. Instead of, Lord Jesus, can you please give me my visa? I mean, Lord, please, can you give us food to eat? Bless this food. Thank you very much. This mundane, pathetic, insipid prayer life that we have of just this bare minimum. Lord, please give me grass to eat. Here on the ground, I'll be fine. Just leave me here on the ground. And God wants you in the very presence of God, around the throne of God, along with the angels, along with Christ, praying for the church. Are you hearing me? God wants you on your knees praying for the church. And you haven't finished your prayer list about your own family and your own needs and your own warts and your own fever. And when you get past that and you enter into this, this experience, my brother and sister, the power of prayer kicks in. And you then are, f you are brave. You, you have been in the presence of God. No, 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 not the presence of God. Here, you have been in the presence of God. There. Because you have entered into Christ's experience. You have gotten into the place where you are now face to face with God. Not about you, but along with Jesus, about them. 
around them. John 17, let's pray for them, for their unity. And you are now seeing around the throne of God, nothing is impossible. Nothing is impossible with God. This political party, that political party. This black, that dark. This light, that dark. This money, that... Nothing, nothing is impossible with God. You have entered into the eternal experience, presence, power of God. You have been in the Oval Office of Heaven. And you will not get mixed up with all of this petty nonsense. Forget about anxiety. You'll be unstoppable. It is a powerful, powerful ministry. I was a failure in 8th standard. I was told I'll never make it in life. I was told that nothing is good for me. I am good for nothing. I was told that, and being told all of that, I went to Christ and I was 17 years of age. And sitting there, I challenged God. I said, why did you create me like this if you wanted me to feel like a failure every day of my life? He said, I'm not disagreeing that you're a failure. You are. That was kind of nailing the coffin right there. But then he says, but I'm a winner and everything I do succeeds. That's what God told me. Not an audible voice, no. But that's what God told me. I'm a winner and I always succeed. Then I said, in that case, then I want to be on your team. Then in that case, from now on, from the age of 17 to the rest of my life, I don't want to be about me. I want to be about you and your business. Because if I'm stuck with your business, I piggyback on your ministry, I'm going to be a success. So I did. And 33 years later, I have been on Christ's agenda for, the, all, for every part of my life. And every part of my home, my, my family, my finances, everything is about what he wants to do, where he's working, who he's working with. And I have been front row spectator to the mighty work of God. And there is nothing that scares me. Nothing that puts me in a position of, I am never in that position. I'm never in that position because I don't see a wall from here. I see a wall from here. You didn't get that. I don't see a wall here. I see a wall when I'm flying over. Oh, wall. And the opportunities are endless because I have been in the presence of God. I have known the power of God. I have known the grace and the mercy, His mercy for my past. His grace for my future and I will stand with him to get from him. Number three is God wants you to carry people with you. God wants you to carry people with you. He says, likewise, the spirit helps us in our weakness. For we do not know what to pray for as we ought. But the spirit himself intercedes with us for groanings too deep with words. Look at me. Listen to me. Haven't you been through situations where you didn't feel like praying? Uh-huh. Haven't you been through dry periods in your spiritual life where you just didn't feel spiritual, feel like... In fact, there was a little bit of you that wanted to do something wrong. Come on, own up. Yeah. They're, all of us go through that. And the thing is, God doesn't judge you for that, but He wants others to come alongside you and carry you through that time. Where I put my hand around my brother... And I put my hand around my brother Dipinder and I said, you can't pray right now. You've just suffered a loss or you're just too angry right now or you're too burnt out. But I can pray and you can ride on my faith for now. 
I ride on your faith, you ride on my faith, we carry each other. When he's low and dry, two people pick him up and carry him through prayer. When he's crippled, when he's crippled, four people pick him up. You know what I'm talking about? Four people pick him up and carry him. The power of prayer or intercession is that when one person is weak, one person is stopped moving, one person has fallen to the back of the pack, others carry him forward. I was watching Discovery Channel the other day about nature and whatnot. And some of these animals are brutal. And some of the children, the, the, the infants that are left behind the pack, the pack just moves on. And the snake comes and grabs the infant. The eagle comes and grabs the infant. And they're left open, vulnerable to, dis, to, 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 to the enemy. And the pack moves on. And Jesus says, not my pack. Not my pack. You carry each other. You pray for each other. You hold each other. Bear one another's burdens. Nobody falls behind. When one, is, when one is weak, you carry them. And that is the power of prayer. The Spirit of God, in fact, groans with us when we ourselves don't know what to say to God. The Spirit of God speaks words where we have lost even emotions. Today we're talking about prayer itself. Not prayer itself, but the habit of prayer. And if it's a habit, it's a holy habit. Let's close. If it's a habit, it's a holy habit. And a holy habit leads to a holy lifestyle. Say it with me. A holy habit leads to a holy lifestyle. No, no, no. It's not the absence of holy habits. It's not the uh, getting rid of bad habits that leads to a holy lifestyle. Some people think, if I can get rid of all my bad habits, I'll be holy. No, you won't. No, you won't. A holy, uh, a life, a holy lifestyle is built on holy habits. And one of the holy habits is to pray for others. Pray for others. If I pray for others, others are going to land up praying for me. That's how the chances work. Pray for others. Remember three D's in a habit. Number one, discipline. Number one is discipline. Without discipline, it's not a habit. Okay? You've got to be willing to put in the hard work. Number two is distraction. So when you have something that you want to focus on, you're going to have distraction. Number three is you're going to get discouraged. Pick it up, try again. Pick it up, try again. Keep going until you succeed. This is not, no one's looking for a 10 on 10 here. We're looking to finish the race. We're looking to finish the race. So if it's a habit, number one, just begin. Just begin. That's how you start a habit. From brushing your teeth to whatever, just begin. Number two, keep a journal. Have your prayer journal where you begin to write the names of people that you want to start praying for. In the beginning, it will be a little bit of pseudo sort of, you know, imagination, kind of like just write down some names and start praying. But as you get started, the Spirit of God will begin to guide you to put names down. And you will begin to have a, 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 a divine memory of remembering what needs to be prayed for. And you can put that down. Have a journal. Set reminders. Use your Apple, your iPhone, your use all that thing you've got. And set reminders to pray for others um, whenever and however. Get some accountability. Get a friend. Get somebody who will remind you about a habit. About the habit that you've decided. And please don't give up. Do not give up. Don't give up. If you fail, take it. Forget it. Start, start again. Try again. Start again. Try again. Nobody ever completed or got good habits going without, uh, without failing a hundred times. Just keep at it, okay? Last thing I want you to remember about habits. It takes three weeks, 21 days to make a habit. 
Three weeks, 21 days to make a habit. Non-stop every day for three weeks. After that, it takes three more weeks to establish it as a lifestyle. If that's going to be your lifestyle, that's going to be something that you do, you need to put in another three weeks to, 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 to nine weeks. Just, but at least. So you start with three weeks, non-stop every day. So it's not like as often as I can. If you're going to put a habit into place, you need to do it every day for three weeks and then move it from there. Not everybody over here is going to do this. Last week we talked about fasting. Not everybody's going to start fasting. But God is searching and, clearing and, 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 and stirring your heart towards it. And maybe God is going to raise some prayer warriors here. Some people who take this seriously and begin the habit, the holy habit of prayer. One day you're going to get to heaven and you're going to hear about all the people who were praying for you. Praying for your salvation. Praying for times when you walked away from God. Praying, praying for when you were thanda with regard to God. Thanda. Non-interested. When you were in a spiritual coma. When you went through difficult times. One day in heaven you're going to hear about the army of people that prayed for you. But is anybody else going to hear your name that you prayed for them? Or are you going to get into heaven and be the person that only pretty much prayed for yourself? I challenge us to selflessness in prayer. With every head bowed and every eye closed. Please make a decision. Make a response to God. What God wants you to do is very clear. What do you want to do? What are you willing to do? What are you willing to give up? What do you think needs to change in your lifestyle? In your mind, in your heart? What adjustments need to be made? What needs to go for something to come? Make up your mind. Decide that you're going to talk about it. Decide that you're going to pray about it and make it happen. Father, I don't want this to get over so quickly and so easily. I really want this to be a life change for our church. Because what we need, what our city needs, what our country needs, what people need is people praying for them. The highest and most honorable ministry you have given to us, Lord, is the ministry of intercession. The ministry of priesthood. We are all priests. We're all priests. Oh God, then are we doing our job? Are we doing the work that you have called us to do? From the youngest to the oldest, from the children to the seniors, I pray that you would make our church a church of intercessors. Not loud prayers, but long prayers. In Jesus' name I ask you. Amen.